This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, the New Zealand International Science Festival NanoFest is on from July 14th to 17th. 18 events over four days, so there's something for everyone there. Workshops, a gaming centre, e-waste collection, lots more, and a lot of those events are free as well. So you want to hop online to scifest.org.nz to take a look at the busy schedule. One of the events takes place uh, this Thursday, 5.30pm, at the Hutton Theatre at Targa Museum. It's an opportunity to hear from Kate Hanna, Director of the Disinformation Project, as she explores the misinformation ecosystem, the role of trust, and provides a call to action for communities. We'll hear more about that now with Kate Hanna, who joins us on the line. Morena, Kate, lovely to have you with us. Oh, kia ora. Kate, uh, let's start with uh, some building blocks here. Tell us about the Disinformation Project Aotearoa. Um, when was it established and, and why? So we started looking at uh, disinformation and its impacts in Aotearoa uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, back in February 2020, um, knowing that uh, one of the key things that was going to take place uh, as we um, started to understand what was happening with, with COVID-19 was that there would be disinformation about COVID-19 um, because it was a novel coronavirus, um, science is going to have to move really fast. And, and in those circumstances, we know that um, more, it's more opportunity for mis- and disinformation to emerge. So it really started with a focus on COVID-19-related mis- and disinformation uh, and has um, grown and adapted since then, largely because of the nature of the content we're seeing in the same places that used to concentrate on COVID-19 mis- and disinformation. Is it just about uh, acknowledging that it's happening or how would you describe the wider mission of the project? So so the wider mission of the project is to um, provide uh, a grounded, so a located in New Zealand, a way of understanding how mis- and disinformation works for New Zealanders. So a lot of um, international research looking at disinformation sees it as uh, a global problem that affects people equally or in similar ways and concentrates on the technological aspects of disinformation spreading or the kind of mass um, impacts of it. Now, we're obviously really interested in those global passions and mass impacts, but we want to do it from the perspective of what that what effects that has on the lives of people in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And so we want to understand what that means for our diverse communities, how it's different and it has different impacts for members of diverse communities, and how our values as New Zealanders, our values of tolerance, our values of transparency, and our, our values of, of safety and inclusion um, are being impacted by disinformation. Now, Kate, we might think we know what these words mean, but let's perhaps break it down a little. Um, information versus misinformation versus disinformation? It's a great way of phrasing the question, Jeff. So I, mis and disinformation are, are important distinctions, um, and they are um, usually described, so misinformation is usually described as, as false or inaccurate misinformation, which is being shared, but with no ill intent. And then disinformation is false or untrue, information that has been shared with a malicious or, or disruptive intent. So the difference obviously being there that the same piece 
of information that is false can be shared by different people as misinformation and by other people as disinformation. So, so a producer, somebody who knows that what they're sharing is inaccurate or wrong, can share something and then that can be picked up in what we would call coordinated authentic harm. So somebody who sees it on social media and is genuinely upset and concerned, oh this you know, this might be true and I should share it with my family and friends, shares it and it operates as misinformation. So that is one of the reasons why you know the distinction is important, but it's actually about the way in which it works in the world as opposed to the way it's made. And I suppose to complicate that even further, you can have disinformation wrapped up within legitimate information as well. Absolutely, and I think it's important to sort of note the connection to what we would call conspiratorial thought or conspiracy theories that people might be more familiar with, um, and that Conspiracy theories operate um, usually some kernel of truth. There is some central idea that is based in true reality or historic accuracy that has been built on to create the conspiracy theory. And so those kernels of truth and the kind of wrapping up of myths and disinformation in what is true or could be true from one person's perspective means that it's very, very difficult for people to accurately assess what they're um, consuming. So, Kate, what methods is the Disinformation Project using to form this picture of how misinformation and disinformation is impacting the lives of New Zealanders? So we use um, what's called um, a rich text mixed methods um, methodology. So we use quantitative measures, so we gather information computationally um, from open source social media, so that's that's um, legitimate, it's done through tools like CrowdTangle. And we also um, use any information that members of the public or, or anybody sends us, so we've been sent over the course of the project, you know, emails that have been circulating around email chains or screenshots of WhatsApp messages or images of placards or images of billboards, um, flyers, um, notes reports of water cooler conversation. So all of that gives us, um, as I said, a richer text to examine from a, a, a qualitative methodology, so from, from reading and, and analysing and, and seeing connections between ways stories are being told or themes are being explored. So more of a, a kind of literary approach, I guess you would say. And then we combine those two methods in a way that gives us that big picture and also the rich detail. So with whom are you sharing this research and your findings and why? So we um, endeavour to share as much as possible with the public. Obviously there are um, safety concerns um, for both the public and ourselves <laughs> in doing so. Uh, and so we usually share summary information um, as much as possible. We also use what we, have, what we come across to um, make reports to social media platforms uh, social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter have community guidelines and protections around things like hate speech, um, disinformation, particularly health disinformation related to COVID-19 or targeted harassment. And when the um, material that we come across appears to meet those guidelines, we will you know, make reports. We share information with NetSafe. We share information as appropriate. We have in the past... Um, come across criminal behaviour and, and, and then as any um, 
citizen would do, reported it to the police. And we also um, share uh, information where appropriate with um, government agencies. So we have shared information with, you know, um, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet uh, and other government agencies uh, as reports in the past. And your hope would be that they actually do something with that in terms of a response to misinformation and disinformation? Well, it's about making sure that those who are involved in the landscape um, are aware of what the landscape looks like. And what we talk about is a, a landscape that has been eroded. So the experiences of the um, pandemic uh, have really highlighted the erosion, but actually a lot of the erosion is long-term. Um, it's to do with um, information voids, um, lack of equitable access to information, um, centralisation of, of critical information, um, some of the, even the processes of academic research, you know, as you're aware, a lot of information is paywalled um, or, or just not um, not presented in ways that is accessible to the general public. And so those all of those information voids um, are easily filled with disinformation if people choose to fill them with disinformation. So, Kate, have we seen any helpful applications of the research findings that you have gathered already? Well, so one of the things that um, we've worked on is thinking about what it would look like for um, communities to have uh, sovereignty over their own information sources. So we've worked with communities um, within Ngāti Pro to ensure that those communities had direct access to good information about COVID-19 vaccination and more broadly questions around COVID-19 and health um, and to see whether that would impact um, communities' ability to make good, strong and important decisions for themselves but with access to high-quality information that they could interrogate, question and understand. And that, you know, that sort of process is obviously one that requires long-term evaluation, so we can't immediately go, yes, it's worked. But it definitely feels like that approach works. Um, you know, we've seen over the course of the pandemic um, the importance of, of key science communicators in Aotearoa New Zealand and also internationally. And those people have been people who have... Um, been warm and approachable and kind and thoughtful and, and committed in their approach to science communication and have been available to communities and have been accountable to communities rather than, you know, sailing in and saying something and then wandering off again. And so, you know, we can over time look at the impact of those people and, and see how that has helped prevent the impact of information voids and information disorders. Kate, we're very much looking forward to your visit to Aotearoa Dunedin as part of New Zealand International Science Festival NanoFest with this presentation at the Hutton Theatre at Otago Museum on Thursday evening. What can we expect on the night? Well, I'm, I'm hoping to um, talk through some of those features of, of the kind of erosion and and a, and a kind of I am a historian, so kind of contextualise that and and some and some important historical and, and social contexts. 
then briefly talk through some of the types of content um, that we're seeing. I obviously don't want to traumatise my audience or myself by discussing it in too much detail. Some of the material is, is very um, graphic or, or incredibly racist or misogynistic um, features of anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, etc., etc. So, you know, really some of the worst stuff that you might see. But what I want to try and focus on there is how we're seeing it in really ordinary spaces, so not fringe spaces um, on the internet. And then what that means for us as community members, as, as citizens, as, as people who want to live together in Aotearoa with a certain set of values around tolerance and inclusion that are actually under threat when we see political and social discourses get to this point. And so it's more of a, almost a challenge, but not so much a challenge to the people of Aotearoa because obviously um, in the last two weeks the people of Aotearoa have stood up and, and said that there are some things that they don't want to have happen in their rohi around conversations and the manner in which conversations are had. So it's about talking about um, how we can get back to or conceive of discussing difference in ways that um, do not antagonise, upset or exclude people who are different. It's going to be a fascinating presentation. Kate Hanna, Director of the Disinformation Project, uh, talking with us this morning ahead of that presentation uh, as part of NanoFest 2022. Kate, uh, kia ora, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we look forward to welcoming you to Aotearoa. Many thanks. I hope the weather improves. It's <laughs> very bad in Auckland. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Satisfy your science cravings at the first New Zealand International Science Festival NanoFest from July 14th to 17th. With 18 events over four days, there's something for everyone, from imagination playground for the Little East to talks on social hot-button topics, including Three Waters, the Disinformation Project and the Dunedin Study. There are workshops, a gaming centre, e-waste collection and so much more. Lots of events are free. Book ahead so you don't miss out. Go to scifest.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.